It's so cool to stand here and be able to look out and see the smiles and the joy. And actually, we have real community here where people actually talk and share life together. So thank you for doing that. Um, for me, I, needed, I need to start here. And it's a little weird place to start. But I felt I needed to because I want to thank you as a community of believers. Um, so this is the first time that I have publicly spoken since my father passed away. And I want to thank you all for the way that you loved me and my family through this. Um, for those that have lost a parent or lost a loved one, you know what I'm talking about. For those that haven't, sometimes, you know, for me, being in the other side of that, like, you don't completely get it. Uh, but once you've experienced it, you know. And there are so many here that I can look and see names and see faces and say, you loved me and my mom and my family and my kids well. And so, again, when we come into this place of worship and we come in, we need to bring who we are. And for me, it's where I'm at on a lot of this stuff. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to stand up here and be like completely fake that, oh my gosh, like everything's wonderful and great because it isn't. But at the same time, I can say that there is a deep reservoir of joy that's come through walking my dad through his final times on earth. And it's a weird thing. I don't know. That's just this, it's a really weird thing. The older you get, the more you realize, the less you know. I think when you were young and, and you thought you knew a lot more, um, you could take these things almost like arrogantly in stride. And the longer that you live and the more you realize you don't know and the more these wounds come and they scar and they hurt and you bring that, um, the more you, you realize how much you really need of a savior. And so today I want us to all bring that to the table because we all bring our story. We all bring where we're at. For some of us, it's like we're, we're doing really well, and that's awesome, praise God. For some of us, we're struggling, and that's okay too, because we're gonna bring ourselves, okay? So we're gonna start in Mark 7, uh, verses one through 23. If you have a Bible, it's 997, I believe it is, but I'm gonna actually read from the Passion Translation. I just feel it's a bit more accessible on this version. Um, and so it's, it's Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And for some that have been churched, um, this isn't a new message, but I hope we, we go to some different places today. So we're gonna start with Mark 7, verses one through 23. Jesus breaks religious tradition. One day, the Pharisees and certain religious scholars came from Jerusalem and gathered around Jesus. They were shocked to find that some of Jesus' disciples ate bread without first observing the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating their meal. For the Pharisees, like all other Jews, will not eat without first performing a ritual of pouring water over their cupped hands to keep the traditions of the elders. Similarly, when returning from the marketplace, they ceremonially washed themselves before eating. They also observed many other traditions, such as ceremony washing of cups, pitchers, kettles. So the Pharisees and religious scholars asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the age-old traditions passed down by our elders? They should first ceremony wash their hands before eating. Jesus replied, you 
hypocrites. How accurately did Isaiah prophesy about you phonies when he said, these people honor me with their words while their hearts run far away from me. Their worship is nothing more than a charade. A charade. For they continue to insist that their man-made traditions are equal to the instructions of God. You abandon God's commandments just to keep men's rituals, such as ceremonial washing, utensils, cups, and other things. Then he added, how skillful you've become in rejecting God's law in order to maintain your man-made set of rules. For example, Moses taught us, honor your father and mother, and whoever insults or mistreats his father or mother must be put to death. But you have made up rules allowing a person to say to his parents, I've decided to take the support you were counting on from me and make it my holy offering to God, and that, and that will be your blessing instead. How convenient. The rules you teach exempt him from providing for his aged parents. Do you really think God will honor your traditions passed down to others, making up rules that nullify God's word? Are you doing many other similar things? In verse 14, then Jesus called the crowd together again and said, hear my words, all of you, and take them to heart. What truly contaminates a person is not what he puts into his body, but what comes out. That's what makes a person defiled. When Jesus went back home and away from the crowd, his principles, his disciples acknowledged that they didn't understand the meaning of the parable and asked him to explain it. He answered them, are you as dull as the rest? Don't you understand that you are not defiled by what you eat? For the food you swallow doesn't enter your heart, but goes into your stomach only to pass out into the sewer. This means all foods are clean. He added, words and deeds pollute a person, not food. Evil originates from inside a person. Coming out of a human heart are evil schemes, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, treachery, debauchery, jealousy, slander, arrogance, and recklessness. All these corrupt things emerge from within and constantly defile a person. Thus ends the reading of God's word. So, where I want to start with is I think at times we can read these words and be like, well, duh, obviously food isn't what's the root of evil. You know, whether you eat clean or unclean, again, that's not, that's not the big deal. And so this doesn't necessarily apply to me because, you know, we are an enlightened people now. We know this. We've been through this. But there is a seriousness of our uncleanliness. So let's show that picture up here. So this I snapped at my house um, about four years ago. So I have a 14-year-old daughter, love her. She's wonderful. Um, but she is the creative type. Um, and at 9, 10 years old, she was really big into crafts, arts and crafts. And so... If you look in that picture, you're going to see a box that she put some wheels on it because that's where her and AJ took their magical uh, trips across the world. Uh, there's a chair that's actually broken that's supposed to be thrown out in the garbage, but she said, no, 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 keep that there because that's where my animals can sleep at night. There's a book on the floor there. If you look there, instead of putting a bookmark in it, no, I'm going to put it on the floor open to the spot that I want to read it because, of course, that's, that's a way better spot to keep the book. Um, and that room is obviously very, very messy, okay? And the thing is that she doesn't own that room. Now, she lives there, 
but she doesn't own that room. I mean, technically the bank owns the room, but I own the room, <laughs> right? So when she is defiling that room, she is actually not defiling what's hers, but she's defiling what's mine. And what I have given her as gifts for her to use, she is not taking as care of them as I would like for her to do. And for us, as we think about this, I don't want you to get so hung up on the food. And that all came from Leviticus. Okay, that is God's word. He put rules into place for the Israelites, not to keep them clean, but because he wanted to keep them pure. Okay, the actual word is, is tahor, which means pure. And it's to remind the Israelites that they were different from other people. They were set aside. They were to be holy, not because they are holy, but because the God that they came from, the God that they worshiped, he was holy. And they were to be distinct and holy as well. So the issue of this is not the actual ritual of are we actually getting clean or not? The, the question is, is do we set ourselves apart so that we can enter into a holy God? So in our natural state, we are unfit for the presence of God. So Jesus couldn't agree more with the Pharisees that we are unclean by nature and that to enter into God's presence, we needed to be clean. The issue that he had, though, was what they were putting into place was all for show. It wasn't actually fulfilling what God had set aside to present themselves to the king. And so, for again, us as enlightened people, um, and particularly me as a, I have probably, I'm probably an Enneagram 7, but I got a lot of 8 in me too. So I, I am a fighter by nature, okay? So I, I like to just kind of sometimes fight for the sake of fighting with people. Um, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to go out. And when I hear, when I hear that, you know, a God say, well, hey, um, you know what, you are a sinner, Right from the get-go, I'm like, really? Like, you, you've, you've created me right from the get-go that I'm going to be a sinner? Like, how is that fair? How, how is that possible, right? You know, like, we should be more enlightened now that, that, that we should be able to have this state where we're not necessarily under that anymore. You know, we, we, we are smart enough. We have some, there's no moral absolutes anymore, right? Truth is what we want to make it. And for some people that maybe don't have as much faith as they will say, well, that's an unfair thing that, that you come in and immediately God says to you, you're not worthy of him. How is that fair? Um, but again, God isn't a God of fair. And what I want us to wrestle with is regardless of where you believe your stance is with God, there are parts of us that bring guilt and shame no matter where we come from. I think we all innately wrestle with guilt and shame. And we bring that to the table and we understand that we bring guilt and shame. And so I want to read this quote. Though we've abandoned such, though we've abandoned such ancient categories as judgment and sin, we still have a profound, inescapable sense that if we were examined, we'd be rejected. We have a deep sense that we've got to hide our true selves or at least control what people know about us. Secretly, we feel that we aren't acceptable, that we have to prove to ourselves and others that we are worthy, we are lovable, and we are valuable. I struggle with that. I don't know about the rest of you, but I struggle with that. 
And so I have a hard time at sometimes coming in because I feel like if people really know me, they're just gonna see this. You know, something that God had created to be clean and pure, now all they'll see is this. And the thing is, is we do all bring this with us. This is, this is in its purest form, where we're at. We were born into this. And, you know, we come from a, a manufacturing part of this world. And it wasn't, and I, I just want to remind for everybody who's maybe new in the faith, it wasn't that God intended it to be this way. He made us good and perfect. The problem is, is that, that we broke it along the way. So think of a manufacturing line that the designer created this wonderful manufacturing line that would, that would replicate and put out these things that were good and perfect. But we as the person implementing this came in and we said, no, we're gonna tweak this and we're gonna change this and we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna change the system. And all of a sudden now, what's being manufactured over and over again has a defect, has a flaw, has a brokenness. And it wasn't that the original intent was that way, but we are now here, okay? So I want us to remember, this is where we are coming from. This is, in our natural state, this is where, where we're at. So the question we're gonna wrestle with today is, is where do we go with this? What do we do? And this is really what Jesus is getting at through this whole message. So a lot of us start to go at things from the outside in, an outside in cleansing. So we're gonna, we, we have this state. And up there is one of my favorite things in the world. For those that aren't familiar with good tulip time food, that is the triple threat burger, okay? So in that triple threat burger, you've got some, some wonderful beef, you got some Gouda cheese, you got some um, Pella bologna, you got an egg all wrapped in a delicious bun, all right? Now, unfortunately when I eat that, there is some cleansing that happens a lot of times. Um, but again, Jesus isn't talking about food. He is talking about things on the inside of us. And so for many of us, what we try to do is we try to figure out how can we, you know, get our own, our own tide wipes and how can we go there and how can we try to scrub this out? How can we do something to get rid of this? So, you know, we get our tide wipes and, and for some of us, this might be religion, where if we're just good enough, if we just do the things that, uh, you know, I stay away from sin, if I try to not watch the wrong things, if I say the right things, if I pray enough, if I do enough, you know, maybe I can take this and I can start scrubbing this and this will, you know, I'm doing, I'm trying to get this to clean and it might be a little bit more clean, but unfortunately it's still not there. So then we say, okay, well, what about politics? You know, maybe politics will fix this. So let's try to clean this with politics because if the society was just right, if we could somehow figure out in our own systems the, the best way to govern, whether that be capitalism to socialism, it doesn't matter the spectrum of the range, but if we could just figure out society, we would be smart enough to make it right. We could scrub this clean and I wouldn't feel that guilt and shame anymore. I wouldn't bear that with me. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen either. For some of us, maybe we think, well, what if, what if I know I'm screwed up, but what if my family, what if my family was good? 
So I'm gonna my kid. Okay, my kid, I've got a kid, and boy, they're gonna be all, they're gonna be smart. They're gonna be in the right things. I'm gonna run around all over and get them in the right sports things. I'm gonna make them right camps. They're gonna have the right teachers. And if there's a wrong teacher, boy, they're gonna hear about it. Um, I'm gonna make sure that they're, I'm gonna be all over them. They're gonna go to church. We're going to church. You're gonna do this, and, and we're gonna get our family right. And that's still not getting there yet. What about fame? What if I was just, what if I was just famous enough? You know, what if, what if I, what if I was famous enough and people knew me, people were really proud of me. I I could achieve something that was really good and boy, people knew me. And then I would feel maybe that guilt and shame wouldn't be quite as much as it is. And, or what if I was just around somebody, you know, what if, what if I had a, a famous person like retweeted one of my tweets? What if I was friends with them and I could rub shoulders with them and maybe I'd feel a little less inconsequential in this world? So I'm just gonna, gonna do and try to clean this. Still, still here, unfortunately. Lastly, what about what about I'm gonna I'm gonna do ministry? This one hits home for me. What if I just had the right ministry? What if I just go help more people? Say the right words, pray the right prayers. Be able to love on people better. Not a bad thing, right? That's a good thing. Maybe if I just keep doing more of that, maybe I can eventually wipe this off of me. And unfortunately, still there. No matter how much I keep grabbing these tide wipes, the thing that man made to try to clean up the messes that are on our shirts, still there. And so the Israelites, again, given by God's word, God gave them some instructions of how to enter into him. And it was called the Day of Atonement. So let me understand, again, this is shocking for the Israelites and the Jewish people. We have to understand, most of the people sitting in that room and all of Jesus' disciples, they were Jewish people. They had grown up in the temple. They had grown up with these laws. They, this is something that is in the Bible. This isn't something that was just made up. This is in Leviticus. Like literally, like you don't, let, don't be around people when you touch dead meat. If you touch a dead body, if you have an infection, if there's a discharge, if there's mold or mildew that you've been around. I mean, there's a whole list of things that you're not supposed to do. And it wasn't like Jesus basically said, oh, I don't really care about God's word. No, Jesus actually cared a lot about it. So let me explain the Day of Atonement. Okay, so what this meant was that there would be one day a year, which was Yom Kippur, and that the high priest would stand before God on this Day of Atonement to, again, absolve himself, absolve the priests, and to be able to absolve the sins of the congregation of the people that were following him. So a week before that he would go into the Holies of Holies, because again, there's this outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. In the holies of holies, there's the Ark of the Covenant, there's the veil, and you had to have smoke going in there because if you saw the face of the Lord, if you actually were in his presence, you would die. This is serious. This isn't like, oh, well, they're just making these things up. Again, very, very serious. But what they would do is a week before the high priest would go into seclusion, 
so he could be completely alone. And why? So he wouldn't accidentally touch anything that was unclean. A week, a week he would go into complete seclusion. The night before, he didn't go to bed, but stayed up all night reading God's word to purify his soul. Then on that day, he bathed head to toe and dressed in pure, unstained white linens. He would go into the holies of the holies. He would sacrifice an animal, and that would be for his self first. He would come back out of the holies of holies. He would then rebathe again. He would put on a different set of clothes, pure, holy, white. He would go back in a second time. This was for the sins of the priests. A third time, he would come back out. He would bathe all again. He would put on new white clothes. He would go into the holies of holies. He would sacrifice again, and this was for all the people. And all this, all this was done in public. That's one thing you don't understand. This was done in public because the people need to see the priest that he was fulfilling these, these rules because, again, they wanted their sins to be absolved. So there wasn't a speck on that priest. There was nothing on that priest. So understand that context. That's where we're coming from. In Zechariah 3, Zechariah was, was a prophet and he was given from the Lord a vision. And on that vision, you have to understand is that when he saw Joshua stand before the Lord, going through all those rituals, this is how the Lord saw him. This is how Zechariah saw Joshua in the holies of holies, completely defiled, completely covered in sin. And that's where Zechariah realized it will never be enough. It will never be enough. But what Zechariah heard was that the Lord said to him, take off those filthy clothes. And he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put on rich garments on you. Listen, I am going to bring my servant, the branch, and I'll remove the sin of this land in a single day. Zechariah 3, 4, 8 through 9, for those that want to know. So in that single vision, Zechariah was told that someday the sacrifices will be over and the cleanliness laws will be fulfilled. You see, what Jesus was saying to the people wasn't that this whole process wasn't still okay, that this wasn't coming from the Lord, but what he was saying to everybody in the midst that day is that those cleanliness, those cleanliness laws are now fulfilled. They are fulfilled in your presence. And why are they fulfilled? It doesn't mean that they're not applicable anymore. Jesus didn't say, oh, those don't really matter anymore. Don't do those anymore. What he is saying is, is that I am fulfilling those promises, those practices. The thing that was to come, I am fulfilling it. And how did Jesus actually fulfill this? To me, this struck me, and I hope this strikes you. Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, they are the same in Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. And this Joshua, the high priest Joshua, but this Joshua staged his own day of atonement. One week beforehand, Jesus began to prepare. 
The night before, he didn't go to sleep. But what happened to this Joshua was very, very different than the high priest that was applauded and was viewed upon as the savior of the world. Instead of cheering him on, everyone he loved betrayed, abandoned, and denied him. And when he spoke, stood, when he stood before God, instead of hearing words of encouragement, his father forsake him. Instead of being clothed in rich garments, he was stripped, beaten, and killed naked. Instead of being washed in ceremonial water, he was bathed in the spit of hate of the people. He was crucified in a garbage heap, a place of absolute uncleanliness. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ clothed himself in our sin and sacrificed himself so that we might be clothed in the costliest clean clothes because it was his blood that made it clean. So instead of us standing in front of the Lord with this shirt, we're covered, and we try to do, 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 do to clean this up. Jesus said, no, that's not the shirt you're gonna wear. You're gonna wear in my shirt. I'm gonna stand before you, and now it's white as snow. Now you see, God sees you through me because of what I have done. And for me personally, I've intellectually probably known that for a long time. I think for us intellectually, for those that have been Christians, we can wrap our head around that. But how many of us are still walking the path where we unfortunately keep picking up this? We keep putting this on for whatever reason. Where for some of us, we might be wrestling with, go to that first question. Where there's a, something in our past that we feel guilty about, that we've done, that we have spent countless hours trying to make up for it. Where we bear that, we keep bearing that, and unfortunately we walk around with that guilt and that shame. Or for some of us, it might be something that someone else has actually done to us. Where there's been abuse verbally, physically, spiritually, towards us. And it changed us. It wounded us. And for some of us, maybe we're just numb. You know, we're not religious necessarily. We're not necessarily immoral. But yet, we feel there's something we can do to absolve ourselves from this guilt and this sin. Some of us are irreverent. We're like, yep, God's got this. You know, he died for my sins. I can go around and do whatever I want. Right? I can go do whatever I want because he's going to forgive me. I've had seasons in my life that's that way where I've, just, I've been completely irreverent to understand to go from this to this and what that took. But here's what I can tell you today. This is how God sees you once you accept into your heart. 
Are you living your life with this on? Think about the power that comes living life with this on. This changes everything. As Christians, as followers of Christ, this changes everything. And that doesn't mean that the hurt or the wound, or for me, like my father dying and not being with us anymore, doesn't still hurt. But at the end of the day is I know he stood in front of God like this, and I have the same thing as well. I can accept this as well. And I'm going to live as this on and not with that guilt and shame anymore. In Christ alone did he do this. There's nothing that I can do. There's no more doing, no more striving, no more anything that I can do to make this. And I have to accept this by grace. And there's faith that I put into this and my faith will allow that grace to wash over me and I will be a new being. I am not the same as I was five years ago, one year ago, one week ago, one day ago when I live this life. And for our family here, okay, people here, accept the gift that Christ has given you to be white as snow. Live with the power of Christ that flows through your blood. He made you. He created you in his image. And yes, there is brokenness in you. And yes, there's brokenness in the world. And yes, as we go out and engage in this world, we are going to be wounded. There is not an if, it is a when. Okay? But at the same point, put on his cloak, put on his grace, put on his faith to live a life that he's called you into. Don't be weighed down by guilt and shame and all that's been done towards you, but instead go out and say, what Christ has done for me, I will now go do for others so they can experience his love and his grace because of what he's done. And so in this passage, that's what Jesus is hitting at. I don't want to see you just go through the motions. I don't want to see you just go through the, the, the ritual of being a follower of me. I want to see your heart accept my free gift for you so that you go and change the world according to your unique purposes, your unique callings through Christ who gives you strength. It's in all of us. And that free gift is there for each one of us. Don't intellectually run by that. Don't today just say, yeah, I got it, check it, you know, I'm good, I get it. Stop, listen, ponder, question, wrestle, accept, rejoice, live in joy because what God has done. I can't say it enough, church. There's going to be hard times. Hard times aren't coming, okay? They're not gonna stop. But it doesn't mean that the purpose that God has called you to goes away. It's not about anything else that's out there on the doings. All the things I named before, that can all burn because we have something so much greater. Live with it, live with it. So worship team, can you come up as I close us today? Let's pray. Father God, I pray today that you flow through us. 
that this good and perfect gift that you gave to us on the cross through your blood, this atonement that you gave to fulfill the prophecies, to fulfill the brokenness that was caused through sin, may we accept that today. May we live differently because of what you've done for us. Father, I pray a blessing over everyone here today. That whatever they are bringing to this, whether it's, it's unfaithfulness, unbelief, whether it is something that's been wounded or hurt them, the guilt and shame that they bear, that you release them. That you release them through the power of Jesus, through your blood. May the Holy Spirit come to fill those places where there's a void. Father, may there be no more striving and doing that isn't of you. Because we know it doesn't bring the peace that passes passes understanding that you will bring to us. So Father, we lay our lives down before you. May you continue to flow through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.